You're listening to Radio Tab's Mobile Rolling. Presented by Garrard's Horse and Hound. Making shopping easier with their online store. The same extensive catalogue, the same keen prices online or over the phone. 1-800-096 or visit horseandhound.com.au. It's the Australians at the top of the straight. 28.6 Majestic Cruiser going after Rock and Roll Do. Old Town rode off their backs and then self-assured. Majestic Cruiser took the lead. Self-assured in the centre. Majestic Cruiser a half. Old Town rode and self-assured coming at him. It's the Australian Majestic Cruiser just in front, self-assured dives, they hit it, photo finish near enough a dead heat between Majestic Cruiser and self-assured it's a Bledisloe battle and it's up to the judge self-assured winning it narrowly there and this horse returns to racing in a feature New Zealand program tomorrow night, self-assured's drawn gate four, it's a field of eight Chris's favourite is there, one of his favourites in a cooter and also copy that as well Chris Barsby joins us now. Good morning, Chris. Steve, good morning to you. Good morning, everyone. Well, this is the free-for-all. How do you see it playing out tomorrow night in New Zealand? Well, I think, Copy, that's the horse to beat, Steve, because he comes up with that uh, good draw gate too. So he should be able to pounce on the lead. We all know how good he is when he's in front. So can they run him down? Self-assured was able to uh, win a recent trial. With Tony Hurler, he's driving recently at uh, Pukekohe. He looked good. It was a star-studded trial, and the form out of that trial has been really good. Cooter's got to overcome a tough day here. And then you've got Old Town Road, who's got the X-Factor about him. So in many ways, Steve, this is a little bit of a dress rehearsal because these horses are going to be clashing again in the race, the big slot race coming up at Cambridge early next month. So this is probably likely to be their only run before they go to that race at Cambridge. So all important, but I think copy that and the fact that Blair Orange returns as the race day driver is a big plus. So he's the horse they have to catch. Yeah, Chris, there's multiple group ones on the program. I know your first guest is on standby, but what's the other highlight, do you think, on the whole program there? You've got the Northern Oaks and Derby finals. Yeah, well, both of those races, Steve, are going to be highlight races. And like I outlined uh, earlier in the week, racing Queensland officials are watching these races closely because if Merlin comes out and wins the derby, I'm sure they've got an invite ready to go for the rising sun. Of course, he's Queensland owned. He's raced by Dean Shannon. So they're going to be watching that race particularly uh, uh, closely. And it's much the same for the Oaks as well. Millwood Nike's unbeaten for the All-Stars. Ten starts, ten victories. I'm certain she's not entirely comfortable this way of going on this track, but her class, uh, it's just unbelievable, and she just keeps doing the job. So maybe Racing Queensland might be looking at her as well, but uh, there's a lot of interest in that meeting tomorrow night from a Queensland perspective because Akuta lines up, as you said, in that free-for-all race, and then you've got the likes of Merlin, Millwood, Nike. So maybe we see one, maybe we see all during our Constellations Carnival in July. And Millwood Nike is by that sire, Chris, Captain Treacherous. Yeah, he just keeps doing the job, doesn't he, Steve? One, two result recently in the Chariots of Fire. Winner of the Miracle Mile as well. And they all want him at the sales. He's been the dominant uh, siring force this year in 2023, whether it's on the track or in the sales ring. So he just uh, continues to go from strength to strength, Captain Treacherous. Mm. Has he got a good horse in Victoria uh, that was beaten in Sydney? Just trying to think of its name. <laughs> Uh, he's got a good horse in Victoria called Catch a Wave. Yeah, is he the same star? Of course, Captain Ravishing by him as well. Yeah, that's him. That's him. That's him. Have you watched the replay of Leap the Fame show yet? Beg your pardon? 
Have you watched the replay? I have, Chris. Yeah, I have. Gee, that was... uh, you know, given he hasn't raced for some period of time and Deus Ex was running there, uh, it was a good effort, wasn't it? And showed it, like, dashed at them late. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's a real deal. I think he's come back even better than what he uh, went out. So that's a scary thought. So we look forward. I think April 4, that there's a heat and final series that he's going for, the APG four-year-old M-Tires and Gelding. So uh, the heat on April 4, the final on April 15. So that's probably likely to be his first port of Oh, course. okay. All right, excellent. And you talked about the rising sun and the blacks are fake as well. Uh, Chris, our first guest is? Lockie Manselman, dual code licensee as well because he's got the gallopers absolutely flying and I'll touch on them in just a moment. But he's going to be one of the uh, the real uh, favourites on Saturday night because he is sitting behind the favourite in our feature race and that's the Jim McNeil Trotting Championship Series final. The only horse that's been able to make a clean sweep of the heats is every second counts. Trained by Richard Hutchison, Lockie Manselman drives this mare. And Lockie's online with us now. Lockie, appreciate the time. No worries. Thanks for having me. Can she make it a clean sweep of the entire series? Two heats plus the final. Is there any reason why she can't do it? Uh, I don't think so. I I think she's a really good hope to go go all three and take the whole series. The only, only question is the 2,600 metres, whether she'll run that out 100%, but she hasn't hasn't been like shown me any reason why she can't so fingers crossed yeah well let's talk about that because both rounds of heats have been over the 2138 meters you've been able to win both do you have any real concerns about that extra trip the 2600 uh i don't think so i obviously it's going to help those back markers get into the race a little bit more if i do step cleanly and go to the front like she did last start I probably can't go as hard as I did just because, like, I need to save a bit of petrol, but um, that might then bring the back markers into it. But then again, she hasn't hasn't shown me why she can't run the trip, so I think she'll be right. Just on the start, uh, in stand-start races, they're so important. Trotter's no different. But do you feel she's becoming more reliable getting away cleanly? Uh, I don't want to jinx myself, but, yeah, I think she is. <laughs> She was stepping quite slow for a long time there. And, um, yeah, when Celia McMullen had her, she sort of left her into the mobile races as much as she could because she was just taking too long to reel them in when she was coming off the back marks. But um, Richard's just thrown her into the deep end, kept her in the stands and just made her learn to do it. And she has now. So she stepped really quick her last two. So hopefully we can get three in a row. Okay. Any uh, any concern being under the lights there on Saturday night? Will that make any difference to her? Uh, I don't think so. I, I think she'll be fine. Okay. What's been the, the, the biggest threat uh, that you've been able to find or, or establish throughout the series? What looms as the hardest to beat for every second cast? Um, I think Dallas Spurs probably the hardest to beat. I think it would have raced really well last week. It just ran into a little bit of trouble at the 400, so um, obviously it's going to be a danger. Bamp drawing one, if if they want to hold on that, that could be a little bit of a, put us into a sticky spot, but we'll just sort that out when we come to it. Um, outside of those two, I, I don't know if there's much that can beat us. Okay. 
Have we established what her best racing pattern is? Like, where where do you prefer to see her in races? In front, off speed? Where, where do you want to position her? Uh, just on the fence. I, I don't mind whether it's in front or with cover, but I think the fence is the best place for her. And, um, yeah, she seems to handle the track a lot better right down on the side. So as long as we find the fence, I'll be happy. Okay. So does that just come back to a confidence then? Then when they're on the fence... They just seem to be a little bit more confident that when they're trotting. Yeah, I I think so, especially with her. She sort of she's not the prettiest looking trotter when she's trotting, but um, down on the inside, she's a lot lot cleaner and freer and seems to travel a lot better. So um, we just stick to that with her, and it's working. So. Okay. Just on her on her makeup as well. Um, she looks like she's quite a, a thick set trotter. She looks quite heavy when she's going along does she feel like that yeah she does cover the ground really well um but yeah she's a big strong mare and um she'll make a really good brood mare one day but until then we'll win as many races as we can okay have you won a jim mcneil before uh no no i don't think i've even driven one before to be honest well, there you go. Hopefully it's a first time uh, lucky for you on the weekend. The story around this mare, though, is quite interesting as well. It was well documented earlier in the week by uh, Racing Queensland's Jordan Guerin. So basically, Richard and Jonah Hutchison, no relation, swapped horses. Jonah had borderline, uh, Richard had borderline, and, and Jonah had this mare. Every second counts, and they were just a little bit uh, fed up with one another, so they said, do you want to swap? And that's what we've come to. Borderline's been good for Jonah, and, and this mare's on the verge of winning a feature trotting race. It's quite remarkable, really. Yeah, it's been it's been a good deal for both of them. Um, yeah, like, I, I think Richard got the better end of the deal. I, I wasn't a big fan of Borderline either, but um, Jonah did a really good job with her and got his money back. So, yeah, I think everyone's happy with the deal. <laughs> it's very rare to have both parties walk away happy. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah, I didn't think it would have worked out when they first swapped them, but, yeah, everyone's happy now. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, speaking of Richard Hutchison, does a really good job with his team, and you're going to link up with him in the Trotters Marathon as well, race four. You know this guy really well, Kingdom Come. Is he capable of getting into the money here on Saturday night? Uh, he always finds a way to step up in the big races, so... Um, I don't know if Richard has a chat to him or whatever, but when money's on the line, he always seems to step up and find the find the right gears. Will the distance be any concern for him? 3,157 metres. Uh, no, that's a big plus. The, the further they go, the better he is. All right. It's quite a good race, but there's no standout. I mentioned this yesterday. We, we don't have that standout trotting performer in the state right now. Uh Obviously, probably on last year, like Majestic Harry's probably the horse to beat. It, he um, did an awesome job through the Inter Series and races like that. So he's definitely the one to beat. And then you've got newcomers that we haven't seen up here before. So, um, yeah, it's a very interesting race and could go to any one of the ten. Okay, well, Kingdom Come, he'll do his part and uh, he'll be there about no doubt about it. You've got a number of drives on Saturday night. Is there another one on the card that you're looking forward to? Um, uh, the Trotter's probably my favourite. Every second counts. I think think she'll run the best race for me all night. 
Lord of Misrule, he's an interesting runner. I think he's got a lot of a lot of ability, but plenty of quirks to go with it. So um, outside of him, we got some sticky draws to compete with. So. Okay. Well, fingers crossed you walk away with that trotting feature, the Jim McNeil Trotting Championship final. I want to ask you about your thoroughbred team because your strike rate, uh, just looking at the stats, uh, quite appealing. Have you only got the two that are currently racing? Let's talk a deal and the driller. Uh, yeah, I'm down to one currently racing now. Let's talk a deal after his win at Gold Coast the other day. He's gone out for a spell. So he'll have two weeks away and then he'll join back up with me. But I bought a new one and she's just poking along. She's not ready to go yet. So just the driller left racing. Okay. Is he engaged to race on Saturday? He was. Um, I had him in at Gold Coast to race on the poly track there, but um, there wasn't enough acceptors, so his race didn't stand up. Uh, we're looking at next Wednesday at Eagle Farm. Now. Okay. Now, when we spoke a while ago, you said that you bought this horse from Victoria. Whatever happened to her, that, that first foray into thoroughbred ownership, did she end up starting for you or did she get moved on to Dad? Uh, she's up at Dad. She's actually having her first start on Tuesday. Um, at Mackay, but she she's trialled for Dad and trialled really well, but yeah, uh, me and her didn't get along very well, so I just moved her on to get ones I like. Mm. Lockie, yeah, with, the dr- yeah, with the driller, it sticks out in my memory, this horse was Denny Griffin's last winner, I think, at the Gold Coast on the 18th of July when Gillian trained the horse. Yeah, well, it sounds right, because yeah, Gillian had it, and then yeah, Dad, Dad and Ian bought it and sent it up there, and um, yeah, he's come back here and done a good job since he's been back. Yeah, I think James Cummings, of course, started with the horse. And, yeah, your stats, as Chris mentioned, from your last five gallopers that you've settled up, three winners. Uh, and yep. Chris mentioned the driller. Uh, sorry, let's talk a deal twice, the driller once. So, well done. Thank you. Yeah, we're just poking along. You're not going to switch, though. You're sticking with harness racing. That's first and foremost, right? Uh, Driving-wise, yes. Uh, I'll, okay. I'll keep driving as long as I can, but uh, training-wise, definitely switching. Mm. I'm tipping there'd be a bit of difference in, in coin between the two industries as well. Yeah, and it as much as I I would prefer to do harness racing and love harness racing, the the money's just not even comparable. The, my stats across both codes this season are, are pretty close to the same. The only difference is the stake at the end of the list is a lot different. So uh, it makes it really hard, especially when you know they get the same feed, they get the same water, they live in the same yard. One one takes a lot less time to work and you get rewarded three times over. So, um, yeah, it makes it hard to do harness racing as much as we love it. it the money's just not there. Mm, and vets and all that as well, same price. Yeah, yeah. Well, they all they're all the, the same animal. That's that's the issue. But um, harness racing is definitely coming along in leaps and bounds at the moment. But it's still a long way behind. Mm. Well, let's hope that you get a, a feature race win at the, the trots on Saturday night with the Jim McNeil. With every second counts. Really appreciate the time. No worries. Thank you. 
Yeah, Lockie Mans one. Chris, just before I go, because we're about to finish up here at the Convention Centre, I know you've got plenty more guests to come, thanks to Garrard. Something we spoke about this morning, Chris, we're talking about the heydays at Albion Park, that magnificent grandstand, Silk's Restaurant. I wonder, you know, with the seafood buffet, people used to go there for Christmas, dinners, birthdays. It was massive there. Uh, Silk's Restaurant every Saturday night. It was quite good value. All you can eat. Uh, I wonder if the new Norwell Complex, if they could replicate something there, a uh, not as big, but a nice boutique sort of restaurant there that might be used on feature nights only where they might be able to have seafood buffets and things like that. You know, maybe, I don't know, once a month or something on a decent night. Not every night, every Saturday or whatever. But mm. something, you know, yeah. a nice restaurant facility or something that could be used for functions away from race meetings, etc. Yeah, it's a valid point. Um, times are changing. Back when Silks was in its uh, in its prime, uh, things were a lot different uh, as far as technology was concerned. We didn't have the, the free-to-air TV or the, or the pay TV, I should say, and all the devices that we've got now with mobile phones and the like. So things were a bit different. But uh, in, it, in its heyday, Silks was number one. It, uh, it normally had a wait list and, and a wait list that was, you know, weeks mm. upon weeks to get in. So... It was the place to be spotted at Silk. So maybe it's an option. I'll just be interested to see, Steve, come the end of this year. We've got the Inter-Dominion Series coming up in December. What do Albion Park or Racing Queensland do as far as trying to get people back to the track? Uh, now that they've been able to get rid of all the scaffolding now, they've got a little bit of extra space. So it'll be interesting to see if they come up with something to sort of, you know, uh, get people going back to the track just for that, you know, that outing again because uh, that's been lost. Uh, there's no doubt about it. So mm. what do they do to try and attract people to come back to the races and to see the best horses going around during an Inter-Dominion series? So that's the first challenge. And then obviously, uh, what will they do at Norwell? Do they come up with something similar? Uh, do they try and downsize it? I'm not sure. But uh, it, it's a fresh bit of canvas. It's a blank bit of canvas. So they've got plenty of options. Yeah, and I wonder too, Chris, I don't know if you've noticed it, um, they do it a lot in New South Wales and many parts of Queensland as well with RSL clubs and things like that where they lease the space. So they lease the space out to, a lot, like in North New South Wales, you go to a lot of those country towns, they've all got Chinese restaurants and they lease the space out. A lot of people go there for dinner, then they have drinks in the club, then they have a play on the pokies or a bet at the tab. So I wonder if something like that down the track at a place like Norwell or somewhere else where they could lease the space and have a restaurant there all the time where it could be accessed externa ex externally at the venue where people could go there for dinner and then, you know, maybe some of those people might end up, you know, um, enjoying the racing actions. But anyway, it's, it's food for thought, pardon the pun. Yeah. Well, it's something that we're going to have to talk to David Brick about and uh, David will be coming back on air in the coming weeks as we get close to our, our carnival. So these are questions that we can pose to him. But um, as I said, they've got plenty of options because it's a it's a, a blank bit of canvas at the moment, so they've got to consider all options available to them. So there's another good point that uh, you've just raised. So well, again, the, we'll certainly follow hmm. that up to David Brick. I'm at the Hospitality Expo. I reckon a few people here would know. Uh, give me some advice. I might wander around and yeah. ask a few questions, Chris, and some of the experts here. Yep. Absolutely. Th Thanks, Absolutely. Chris. Thanks, Steve. So uh, we've got Tim Butt about to join us online, and uh, I'm sure he would have been interesting uh, or interested by those comments. Tim, how do we get people coming back to the harness, in particular on our bigger nights? Well, Chris, it is a real challenge. As, as you say, back in the heyday, there was no um, TV, and everybody went to the track if they wanted to watch the races or to have a bet. So 
you know, the, the TV's come along and the, the, the race is on our phones, etc. And um, now, now people are, are sitting at home in the comfort of their home, no drink driving and, um, you know, and grabbing a pizza or whatever. And so your lifestyles have changed. And I think it's just learning and learning from it and, um, you know, and trying to be one step ahead of things. Mm. It's not easy, as you said, but uh, we've, we've got to try. We, we can't just sit on our uh, on our uh, on our backside. We've got to get up and, and try and get people coming back to the track, in particular with our carnival in, in the winter, the constellations, and then more so with the Inter Dominion returning for the first time in a long time. You won the last series here back in 2009 at the Gold Coast, and you competed in the 2001 series at Albion Park. So you know what sort of crowds can be uh, gathered at uh, Albion Park or, or, or the Gold Coast. So it is doable, but we've got to be proactive. Oh, for sure. And I, th- I think the, the problem is that people have got to have a good experience, you know, whether it's, um, you know, the, the attendance of the staff or the food that they eat or the quality. And um, and if you have a good experience and you enjoy the occasion, well, you're going to gonna be more likely to come back. But, um, you know, I think that's where probably harness races is, racing's fallen down over the last sort of 20, 10, 15 years where they haven't been competitive, you know, as far as food goes and uh, coffees and uh, what people want as far as an experience goes. The racing takes care of itself, but, um, you know, outside of that, you, you need to have good bar prices and high-quality food competing with some of the best restaurants in Brisbane. Yeah, spot on, spot on. Let's talk about this feature trot race on Saturday night. You've won so many feature trotting races uh, throughout the world. You haven't won a Jim McNeil, so can you do it in 2023? Oh, I'd love to, especially for Riley, you know what I mean? So um, he, he's a bit of a, an enigma, the source. He, he's very um, very good when he's good and um, probably makes it a little bit tough off 20 metres. You know, he got to the front in the first round of heats and, and you know, dictated and was far too good. But I don't think this is going to happen on Saturday night. So um, but the lot of journey will suit him and um, we've just got to hope there's a bit of pressure and they're getting a bit tired and we're going to come into it late. Mm. So the, the longer distance will suit, but is that negated by the fact that it's a, a capacity size field, so he's got to deal with a fair bit of traffic as well. That's right. You know, he's going to need a bit of luck twenty behind. If gets away cleanly, you're probably only going to be midfield. So, um, you know, and, and you know, the, the the horse won the last two heats. Uh, every second counts, I think it is. You know, it's going to be hard if it tops to the front. So, um, but you know, as we know, anything can happen in racing, and we just got to get our horse right and hope for the the Mickey on your shoulder. Yeah, he was awesome in that first round of heats. What did you make of last week when he was fifth? Yeah, pretty pretty hard off twenty. You just you got to work a bit harder, and the leader had had pretty soft sectionals and controlled the race. So I wasn't disappointed with the run, but um, but uh, you know, you, you, that's that could be the similar scenario this week where you just you know in a bit of traffic, got to make your run a bit too early, and um, you know he's going to find it hard to win if that's the case. Okay, well hopefully uh, he gets a little bit of luck because at his best he's well and truly up to winning that. He's currently a ten dollars shot with tab fixed price right now. Uh, calm manner. Your other runner on Saturday night is Swayze. He's coming along well. He hasn't put in a bad run yet this campaign. He's now had the four runs back. Uh, if he gets a little bit of luck, can he feature on Saturday night? Yeah, he's a good good staying horse. He's just he's found these races a little bit short for him. And, you know, sectionals have been great every 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 race. And um, he's always finding the line well. But he just the, the extra, um, the 2,000 metre will suit him, you know, so the same token he's going to need pace on in the race and, and luck in the second half of it. OK, well, they're the two runners for you on Saturday night. I've got a list of other names here that I'm going to rattle off to you. First and foremost, Barilla. Uh, he, he went down for a shot at the New South Wales derby. What's the update with Barilla? 
Yeah, she just arrived home about two hours ago. So he said uh, it's three and a half weeks off down in Sydney at a um, part owner's property at Jazzcom. So um, he looks magnificent. He's, he's, he's just, you know, quite a, quite an immature horse. And you know, if, um, but we'll we'll just stay him for the Queensland Derby. Whether he's up to that or not, it's another thing. But um, it's on our back doorstep, and um, yeah, I'm sure when he's right, he's not far off the good ones. Okay, you produced a filly on Tuesday at the trials, and I thought she was a real eye catcher. Born to ride, she's by sports rider out of the Better's Delight mare. Uh, how do you rate this filly? Yeah, very, very nice progressive filly, you know, very, very green. And uh, Ricky May told her for me in New Zealand and, and thought a lot of her. So um, so he's a good judge. And um, so she's, she's just learning in the learning process at the moment. But I'd like to hope she could, you know, work towards the Queensland Oaks at the Carnival as well. You know, she's, she's um, a big scopey filly with plenty of gas, you know. Were you happy with the trial? I was, yeah. Still a few manners things to organise, but um, we did knock around and um, Sando drove and said she was, you know, like he was happy with her with just a few minor gear changes to get it, you know, organised a bit more. But um, you know, the abilities there. Okay. Two others that I wanted to ask about: Escobar, a Kiwi. Has he arrived? And is he with you? Yeah, he's arrived. Yeah, we we bought him in New Zealand probably about eight months ago, and and left him with Nathan Williamson to sort of educate a bit and, um, you know, knock the rough edges off him. So um, so he's arrived over. He, he Nathan held him in high regard. He thought he was pretty good. So, um, But he just probably um, you know, needs to come over here and transition to the style of racing. And, and uh, But, you know, hopefully he, he measures up to that those lower-grade, bigger races, you know, through the carnival as well. All right. And the other one that I wanted to ask about is a trotter. Connie's president. Only a three-year-old? He's a four-year-old, actually. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I bought him. Uh, Robert Anderson, who's, who was my breaker in, in New Zealand for 20 or 30 years, he he, he owned him, and he, he we bought Majestic Courtney off him and Carmanna. So they're the, they're the only other two we've bought off him. So um, he's a good man to buy off, and um, very honest, and and you know does the basics with them well. So generally, there's a bit of um, topping off and improvement in them. So well, you know, he, he'll be ready to go in about three weeks. Okay, so. Am I sort of going too far here? But could he could he be a a great square contender, or is that just biting off a little bit too much too soon? On his form, you'd think he'd need to develop and improve a little bit. You know what I mean? But um, you know, I know his sort of background, and, and he is a sort of horse that uh, wouldn't be far away from that level if he if he kept taking the next step. You know, um, I'm not sure he's one we we bought to target that race, but we did have it in the back of our minds just in case he did come to that level. But he'll do a great job here. Okay. Well, we'll watch him with interest. And you're starting to produce some two-year-olds. Yeah, we've got a few nice ones. Um, our, our, probably our best two. We've got a uh, very nice two-year-old Totter that we bred in New Zealand from the Lowell Creek family. She's she's trialling tomorrow, so she's she's exceptional actually. I think 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 really highly of her. And um, she's called Torbal Tilly, so she's named after the area we've we've moved to. And um, okay. We've got a nice art major cult that, that'll be a bit later on in the year he, out of Arms of an Angel. He, he's quite special as well. So, um, you know, we've got, we've got, a, we've got a, you know, two or three other trotters as well that we like. So, um, yeah, everything's looking positive. All right. Well, they're two exceptionally well-bred young horses. So, fingers crossed, they continue to develop and improve with time. Tim, really appreciate the time. Best of luck on Saturday night in the Jim McNeil. Thanks, Chris. There's Tim Bunn joining us, so uh, hopefully he can have some luck there with Riley as well, because Riley's got the drive on car manner, and uh, overall the team's going along quite okay. So hopefully, in time to come, uh, we'll see them more regularly in the winner's circle, because they certainly have 
upgraded their uh, their lot in recent weeks. So good luck to uh, Team Butt there. Let's go west. Let's join Matty Young because all roads are not leading to Gloucester Park this weekend. All roads are going to lead to Bunbury, and it's going to be on Saturday night. But we will discuss both meetings. Matty Young, good morning. Good morning to you, Chris. Will you be trackside at Bunbury on Saturday night? I will be indeed. Okay, so a little bit different this weekend where that feature meeting is going to be Saturday night rather than the Friday night. Yeah, Bunbury Cup, uh, just a country cup, so um, they still haven't got the lights working properly at Bunbury, so it'll be an afternoon slot for uh, local harness racing here in WA. So 3 o'clock start and the Bunbury Cup coming up at... Uh, uh, 5.30 or maybe 5.20 in the afternoon in WA time. So looking at uh, a little bit later for our Eastern State friends. Okay, so how important is the Bunbury Cup this Saturday night in relation to the upcoming slot race, the Nullarbor? I think it's a good hit out for a couple of horses that are in the race. Uh, I think it's only a matter of time before we hear that uh, JP Pacing announces uh, that Mighty Ronaldo is taking their slots, and he races in the Bunbury Cup. He won the race last year, defeating Volton 10. He's drawn eight this time, so he's going to get a pretty soft run. The Mustang's drawn in gate one. Uh, Laverage, of course, heading towards the Nullarbor, creates a lot of interest from an outside draw. And Magnificent Storm, who was eye-catching last Friday night, he was breathing fire behind them uh, with sectionals 27-9, 26-5 on the way home and was powering through the line hard-held. That's uh, the most important thing there, to run those sectionals and hit the line as strong as he did is a real good indication that he's on his way back and he's drawn gate number nine. So, look, I think there's only about uh, four winning chances in the race, maybe even just three. But uh, from what I've seen, it's going to be a pretty tactical race with the barrier draw and a lot of interest around those horses that have already got the slot and ones to potentially get a slot in the nullable. Okay, so those three winning chances are? Magnificent Storm, Lavrage, and Mighty Ronaldo. Okay. Okay. Well, it's going to be an interesting race. The other thing with that Bunbury Cup on Saturday night, Team Hall, no representation there. And they've been in the news this week where they've been able to secure slots for the Nullarbor. So Jumping Jack Mack secures a start. And Diego, no surprise, secures a start as well. Yeah, yeah. Diego has stepped up and I spoke to Senior on Tuesday night and he said he's just never thought he would be able to do what he's done. So... Um, he's been able to continue to step up and he's won a pacing cup, he's won uh, two Pinjarra cups, he's won a string of features along the way as well. He's just been uh, a true marvel. So it is uh, fantastic to see that he's been able to continue to take that step up because in the early days when he was here in WA, he wasn't the most genuine horse and he just it just took them a little while to find him out. But uh, with a couple of uh, preparations under his belt and a couple of campaigns we've been able to see the best version of him come out and it's been great to see and of course jumping Jack Mack we know how good he is he's uh, with the Jevons Kyle and Kevin Jevons slot and um, of course they're owners of Shockwave and they've uh, asked Gary Hall Jr. to drive the horse so he will do that uh, heading towards the Nullarbor and Jumping Jack Mack was a little bit disappointing last Friday in the Governor's Cup, but we know that with any sort of genuine tempo, especially over the longer trip, he's going to be potent late. OK, so that's interesting. So Junior will drive Jumping Jack Mack in the Nullarbor. Matty Brown definitely driving Diego. Yes, at this stage, uh, that's yep. what I have been told.
All right, all right. And Spirit of St. Louis back in action over here on the East Coast on Saturday night, uh, or Friday night, I should say, Friday night being uh, Menangle with Bathurst on Saturday night. So a lot of WA officials will be tuning in closely there. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, it'll be great to see him when he gets across here, likewise for better zip it. So some Eastern States um, representation and, yeah, just really looking forward to the race. It's fast approaching. It didn't feel like that long ago we were announcing the concept and here we are uh, under a month away. Okay. Well, that's all in front of us. Bunbury on Saturday night, all important for the Motherball, that race. Friday night, eight races at Gloucester Park tomorrow night. The feature is the Group 3 Pro Chevalier. It's a four-year-old classic, and we get to see Tricky Mickey return to racing tomorrow night. Are you expecting him to score first up? Well, I think Streethawk's going to be hard to beat just with the runs on the board, and I think he can work his way to the top over the 2,500. I'll be pretty confident that he'll be able to get to the lead. So Tricky Mickey first um, is likely going to be back in the field. They probably won't um, barbecue him, uh, through lack of a better word, uh, from back in the field. They'll probably... Uh, try and treat it as a good hit out without having to put him into the breeze, I'd say. If they have to, then uh, I'd say they put him in a little bit later than uh, if it was later in his preparation, they'd probably go to the breeze a bit sooner. But yeah, I think it'll be more tactical and a bit more conservative on the, the approach uh, to Tricky Mickey. And I think Street Hawk is firing on all cylinders. The runs have been wonderful in defeat as of late. And I think uh, he could run to the top here and he can take out the Pro Chevalier. Okay. Uh, also, wonderful to fly back in action tomorrow night as well. Are you expecting her to win first up? Yeah, she's my best bet on the card. I think um, mm. she she could uh, she could be a decent price tomorrow because I think there's a few knockers out there that think that uh, what we saw towards the end of last preparation was uh, hurt, and I just think the bookies might take her on a little bit. So I think she's the best on the card. And look, I, I just, yeah, I can just see her strolling to the top. Never mind the chaos is obviously very talented, but it's a, it's a tough drive for Junior because uh, he's got the Emperor Stakes coming up the following Friday over the 2500, which is a Group Two event, and that'll be um, a really good race for this mare. So, does he go to war, and does he try and win the battle with Shane, and put the pressure on Wonderful to fly, or does he uh, try and? save it up for the following week where he could get a better barrier draw and also uh, get some more prize money. So tactically it will be interesting, but I think wonderful to fly on her trial. Showed all the signs that she is back and I think she'll be able to uh, win this race. Okay, so a good uh, push there for race three. Number four, wonderful to fly. We all know how much class she has. So good to see her back in action tomorrow night. Hey, just a quick one. Uh, Justin Prentice, we just touched on him with Tricky Mickey. His unbeaten star juvenile last year, never ending, probably only about two to three weeks away. So that, that's something to look forward to because we still don't really know how good this guy is, do we? No, he's had uh, the luxury of some good barrier draws, but what I really liked about him last preparation was you could still, still see that he was learning the caper with what he was doing and he was able to... Um, he was able to over race horribly in some of those races and run amazing times and hold off uh, horses of the ilk of Sky Lord on the Black Flash. Uh, so he, he's got a tremendous ability, and I think I'll probably try and just calm him down a little bit and maybe uh, look at different ways to get him to relax because that can be a problem going forward. But it's also it could have just been a, a baby problem, being a juvenile and a little bit fiery. So he's probably going to be a bit more mature and a bit more relaxed and. 
Uh, hopefully, for here in WA, as the Australian two-year-old's uh, Colton Gelding of the Year, hopefully he can be even better. Yeah, absolutely. So we uh, look forward to his return, so only weeks away. And one final one. Uh, we are constantly uh, reminded uh, how good Nathan Dawson is going here right now because he just continues to get winner after winner. He had five on Tuesday afternoon. He bagged a quartet last night. Just on Gary Hall Jr., he, he's one of the goats. There's no doubt about it. But is he still driving as good as ever right now, G. Hall Jr. over there? <laughs> um, no, this is a, quite an interesting question because uh, myself and some people that are closer to him have been uh, slagging his driving as of late because he's been very aggressive out on the track. And... Um, yeah, he's uh, the last, I think, four or five races where drivers have gone to war. It's been G. Hall Jr. v. someone else. So um, he's driving very aggressively at the moment. He's still, I mean, you can't get much better than the best, and that's what he's continually putting out on show every week. But, yeah, just sometimes he seems to, uh, or as of late, he seems to be letting his anger uh, get the best of him in a few of the races. So... Uh, he'll calm down soon, but it always seems to be around big race time that we really see uh, this competitiveness come out in junior before the pacing cup, and also now we've got the nullable, so he seems to be really on his toes and ready to go. Okay, well, we'll watch with interest uh, this weekend and uh, over the coming weeks as we draw closer to the nullable. Matty, as always, really appreciate the time. We'll talk again next week. Cheers, mate.